Welcome to the show, folks. This is The Crossover. I'm Dan Clark. And I'm Sean Keating, and it's the last day of school. How good does that feel? Even if it is virtual, it always feels pretty good to put uh, an ending, a bookend on the other end of the 2019-2020 academic school year, and... uh, Grades are going to get put in, and that will be that. Yeah, it's never been, it's probably never been easier to pass a high school class than it has been <laughs> during, like during distance learning. Um, but yeah, as I was walking in here today, I, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful day. And, you know, if it was a normal school year, this is probably going to be the best weather you would ever have for a last day of school. But yes. that is not the case. It's beautiful. There's no, yeah, it's, uh, I was making a little video for, uh, the seniors and when I was going through that and thinking about it and, uh, you know, as adults and really, you know, you got to tell these kids to keep pushing and it's going to be okay and all that. But man, there is definitely, you feel for them when they're missing out on, uh, um, some really cool events and just celebrations that go on this week with grad parties and graduation and, and just the ending of a, you know, they've been in school for 13 years. I mean, this is this is the moment, I know you've talked about this, I think you talked about it in your speech, um, where like there's certain events that allow you to change. It can be a tragedy, but it can also be like a, a positive shift that's happening. Um, and I mean, end of the school year, last day of school, My one of my favorite movies comes to mind, Dazed and Confused. Did you ever see that one? I have. And, uh, yeah, that's all about that last day of school and how a young, it's, it's multiple characters, but it just, it, it tracks the journey of these, these high schoolers who take this last day of school as a chance to, you know, reinvent themselves or, you know, go for the girl they've always wanted to go for or try some new things out. If you know what I'm saying, man. (laughs) Um, and yeah, that's, that's been taken away and it's kind of a, kind of a bummer, but those, those, uh, events will happen. I feel like the universe will swing back and offer some opportunities for our young adults to have some all right, all right, all right time. <laughs> yeah. And I was asking, uh, one of my, um, uh, family members, uh, a father in law in law kind of deal. And, uh, I was just asking him, you know, in your lifetime, have you ever seen anything like this? And I think that's the biggest thing is that he, you know, he just said no, because never have his life been restricted. I mean, there's been events in life and there's been, you know, that's been well documented and we've talked all about that, but when it affects your day to day, like this says it, it, it's really unprecedented and it's unprecedented times. And, um, to be entering into a world, I know it's, it's just interesting because, um, you already are trying to figure life out and there's just an, another added layer that's making that a little bit more challenging. But that's the one thing about youth, you know, it, it, it allows you to be creative and problem solve. And, and I have no doubts that, that these kids that are graduating are, are going to figure it out and, and come out on the other side. Are there, and are there any, so I'm thinking of my typical last day of school. Is there any kind of traditions you do as a teacher that you're really missing right now? I know the one that I, pride myself on is being able to be the one that cranks schools out for summer <laughs> on that last period of the day. I don't know. Maybe I'll just blast it from my Alexa. Um, maybe this will work. Alexa, play schools out for the summer. <laughs> I know that I've had that happen to me when a yep. YouTube video has someone saying Alexa activates mine. So maybe I just kicked up your, your day a notch. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely missing that and being able to have people walk by my classroom and say, could you, could you turn it down? (laughs) Yeah. I think it's just one thing I've always appreciated about being on this kind of schedule of, of school is that you end, you know, and, and you get a new beginning the next year. And and I think that that ending is really kind of rejuvenating to, to work that hard to a finish line and then to give yourself a chance to reset and, you know, for all the, uh, (laughs) 
the haters out there that think that, you know, teachers have it pretty lax with the summers off. I mean, I think um, if, if we taught for 12 months, we'd all be, you know, in the insane asylum. So um, we need that break mentally and it, and it is, it is just taxing and it, it's, you know, if you've, uh, if you've questioned education at all, um, I hope uh, maybe having to do it for your own kids has uh, maybe changed uh, your view on, on what we're doing inside these buildings every day. Yeah. And you just mentioned the, like the, it's, it offers that reset point. I just heard someone, I don't know where I heard this from, but I think it was a children's cartoon, um, where they talked about how in some like ancient cultures or some old cultures that the spring equinox was considered like the new, the day, like the start of the new year. And I I got to me, it got me thinking to the fact that, you know, how we always set those new year's resolutions every year, you know, right before January 1st. But I mean, if you really think about it, any moment of the year that you all of a sudden, you know, you know, get that aha moment, you could really take that time to like write your resolution for that next time, you know? Um, and it's all just a matter of, of shift in mindset. Um, yeah. And I think that's why it's a, yeah, it doesn't matter what time and everyone's profession's different, you know, for us in education, this is just the calendar that we're glued to and a, you know, a bell schedule and all that stuff. But I think, uh, when you get these times, it's a unique, like everyone needs this to, I think it allows you to rest your brain a little bit to decompress and then also to maybe have some thoughts and be creative. And that's what I've always appreciated about the summer is, is in my profession with, with basketball and, and what we're trying to do it, it, it just kind of gives you a more laid back atmosphere to, uh, to maybe, you know, take some ideas and, and be creative. And summer basketball has always been a blast for, I know our guides have always loved it. We've traveled, we've done some overnight stuff and, and not having that right now is, uh, putting me in a state where I'm, I'm really struggling to, uh, you know, I think we're all creatures of routine and habit and being disciplined. And, and when you don't have that, you know, um, it's really tough. And I know everyone struggled with it differently, but I know that's something that I mentioned to you before coming in here is that I'm, I'm struggling to find kind of that groove and that routine and, and that purpose. And, and I think it's going to be a, a challenge as the summer goes along and, and going into next fall with so much uncertainty uh, with our schedule as educators. Yeah, really just kind of knocks you off the path that you thought was, you know, the, the top, the path to the top of the mountain where you may have been, like I, I mentioned the hero's journey in my, my commencement speech. If you want to check that out, go ahead. Previous episode. Um, Those were cool. It, uh, you know, every hero, I mean, I was thinking of this morning, plenty of examples of where, you know, there's heroes that do get knocked off the path. I mean, that's mostly what most hero sequels are about is all of a sudden, this person's gained like 50 pounds, got a gut and they're called back into action Mm -hmm. and they, you know, shake off the cobwebs and get back on that hero's journey. I mean, frozen two is a good example of that. Um, if you're, if you're familiar, I was thinking of the, the Marvel movies in, uh, Avengers Endgame, Thor, you know, Thor, right? Are you familiar with the name? I've heard of the name. Yeah. Yeah. He's a God character. And in this movie of Endgame, he's like, after the events of the previous movie has become like this depressed, like fat, like like, he's like usually this super shredded God. He's got to let himself go. He just like drinks kegs of beer all day long, (laughs) gets a gut and like falls off the path. And then this movie is his chance to get back on the path. And I mean, this time of the pandemic is kind of like a forced fast for, you know, social interaction or, what our normal activities are. And once we are able to get off that fast and get back on that track, I mean, it's going to feel so glorious. Um, I mean, just think about any time you're, you are withheld from something and then you get to enjoy that thing. Once again, it's, you're reminded of how amazing it is. I mean, some examples would be like when you go camping or when you go to like the boundary waters, you're, you're, you're not able to have a shower for five days. You're in the things wilderness. that I don't know anything about. <laughs> I and like the five star luxury hotels, people, those Egyptian <laughs> cotton sheets. Those are really good. But I mean, it's like, you don't even understand how amazing some of the things 
are that you get to experience on a daily basis until they're ripped from you. And then you're like, oh my God, hot water coming through the wall. How is this even possible? We live in amazing times. We do. Yeah. It's uh, appreciating things and being thankful is just something that um, I think it's, you know, like we try to do and, and we know that that's good for us, but I think like sometimes it's just even hard. And like you said, when it gets pulled away from you and kind of like I said in my graduation speech was like when you expect something and you don't get it, you know, if you order a burger with no cheese and it comes with cheese, you're, you're frustrated when you told the waiter or waitress. Um, when, when things are expected and we don't get those expectations, it's, it's definitely, you know, that's kind of that emotional intelligence that I, I researched last summer and um, your limbic system gets flared and, you know, when it's, you know, and back in the day when you had your food and it was, you know, buried in the ground or whatever, and someone came and took it. I mean, that was same type of brain neurobiology going on as when, you know, someone took the last, uh, you know, sandwich out of the fridge or whatever it might be. So, um, you lose things, you learn to appreciate them more. And, uh, I think we're all in a very similar position, especially in this state of Minnesota, which is absolutely beautiful in the summertime. And there's so many things that we love doing. And some of that's been taken from us, unless we're one of those hoity toadies with a lake place. And we can just go up to the cabin and enjoy our cabin life and things don't miss a beat. So screw all of you. Cause that's what I want. One day. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Yeah. And I mean, you, what was I going to say? Um, you don't, always remember those things a hundred percent of the time. Like you mentioned that limbic system. I know you told me that, I don't know, the, the beginning of last year maybe. And mm-hmm. you know, I've had instances where the, the system flared up, but I didn't, I didn't recognize it. And you know, there are things you might even read in a book that at the time you think like, wow, this is really mind blowing stuff. But then you fast forward three months and you're not even, remembering that, that quote or that principle that you thought was so mind-blowing in the first place. And this kind of ties back into what I was just saying is that those people that have lost their way or when you're in this pandemic or, uh, you know, when Thor falls off the wagon, there's got there's always a moment where you are reminded of the things that, you, that, that puts you on the path in the first place. Um, and that can be a book. You know, that could be even a song. Um, I've heard a couple of a great of great songs that when I'm not in the the most positive of moods that will bring me right back into a positive headspace and like make me want to do things. Um, most recently, this just happened yesterday. Um, Kevin Hart uh, was on a podcast with Joe Rogan. This is the second time he's he's done one, and the first time he did one with him, exact same thing happened. Okay, he got on the mic. He talked about his life. He talked about his like philosophy his, you know, hustle game, all the things he was doing. And not from like a comparison standpoint, did I want to do stuff, but it was more of a inspirational standpoint. Like, wow, that guy is killing it. Mm -hmm. And he like, he truly believes in what he's saying. Like when that guy is talking about his life and how he created it the way he wanted it to be, I truly believe it because what he's saying I know is authentic and it's true. Um, and just hearing it yesterday really put another spark right back under my under my behind and uh, it put me back on a path of, you know, the hero's journey. You know, I was thinking about, you know, what can, what can I be doing? What's my next dragon to slay? So what would you do? Um, well, I've started writing my stand-up routine. Ooh, look out, people. Yeah. So, I mean... Dan Clark, he's been talking about it for 10 years, and maybe we'll finally get to see the stand-up routine. I mean, their conversation went off in a bunch of different directions, but at one point they started talking about Dave Chappelle. You you should know who Dave Chappelle is. I do, I do, I do. And they were talking about he's the greatest stand-up comedian of all time because he does whatever the hell he wants to do, and, like... He has, there's no repercussions. Like he is so great at what he does that even in a heightened like cancel culture 2020 time that we live in, he can go out and give a stand-up special that is super controversial 
uh, you know, they try to cancel him. But he's just like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Dave Chappelle. Ain't going to happen. And that's the kind of uh, blueprint that I try to look towards. I mean, there's part of me that as a teacher says, of course, like, well, you can't be, you know, adding those jokes to your routine because you might be fired <laughs> from your job. But it's still a an aspiration to follow. And, uh, yeah, it, it anytime I hear great comedians talk about other great comedians, it really fires me up, and especially if they're successful. I mean, Kevin Hart is a – he is, he a, is hilarious. He's an enterprise. Other, besides being hilarious – the guy has built, a, a, like, an empire mm-hmm. of, you know, a, a video producing studio, a radio station. Uh, you know, he does, he was talking about how he partnered with Morgan Chase Bank. Mm-hmm. I did listen to that part. And how he's trying to educate, like, the African-American community on how to manage money because in those communities, that is not a uh, an option or it's not something that's taught um, at an early age where it would definitely do some good if it was, is, is from his perspective. Yeah, he's is very interesting. I didn't catch the whole thing, but uh, but a lot of it. And that's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think there's so much out there. Um, I know for me it's probably scrolling through Twitter um, with all the coaching stuff that can be out there. And to be honest, a lot of times I get kind of um, just kind of stagnant with it just because a lot of times it's X's and O's type stuff, which – which, uh, you know, it, there's, I feel like a dime a dozen of those uh, types of things out there. But when people give you real stuff and you can actually dive in, um, and plenty of people, that's what I love about coaching, is so, so many people are willing to share, whether it's going up to a practice or going up to have coffee and all of a sudden you're talking for three hours. I mean, some of the most famous coaching books I've ever read um, talks about professional development, about like John Wooden um, back in the day, um, he had Dale Brown, who's a North Dakota guy who was at LSU and just drove to California and, and said, John, can, you know, can I hang out for a couple of days? And they just hung out and talked at his house is, you know, just had lemonade on the porch. And, um, that's all you learn. And that's all you get better is, is having those conversations. And I think, you know, for me nowadays, that's at the state tournament. Those are, um, conversations in the summer, you go play three games up somewhere and you run into somebody and all of a sudden you start talking about how you do this, how you do that. And you're getting ideas and inspiration, um, going to coaching clinics, reading books, but those conversations are, are vital. And, um, you know, I think for me, and I've kind of expressed, I've been a little bit lost during this time. And I think that's, it goes back to our episode with JP and just having a mentor, having good friends that you can have real conversations with having at least one person in your life that you can actually have a real conversation with, um, you know, and sometimes that's your spouse and sometimes that's not, you know, sometimes those two things don't exactly line up all the time. I, you know, I don't know if, uh, if Vero just wants to sit down and talk about your stand up routine, maybe she does, but well, she doesn't because <laughs> it's in Latin American culture, stand up like American stand up comedy does not hit the same way. You should like, I thought I was pretty funny before I met my wife and then, and then she just fell cr- on deaf ears a lot of times. crushed my, my sense of self and how funny I well, was. Well, she didn't marry you for your humor. That's for sure. <laughs> it's those damn good looks. Um, but it's cr- like, that is an interesting point is how, I mean, I thought I, it's just how unfunny I am in a different culture. And like when I go to visit, I, when you have to try to speak a different language, you are not the same person. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't even imagine. You can't even be, like, you can't, and I, I'm coming, f- like, think about that in terms of, like, EL students, or even in terms of my wife, who is speaking, having to speak English all the time. Mm-hmm. If I feel that way, huh, guess what? They're feeling that way, too. For sure. And that means that they are not able to truly express who they are as a person because of the language barrier. Yeah, not at the level, but I mean... Uh, we know 90% of communication is nonverbal. So there's still things you can do, but yeah, I, I feel you. I no, because I'll be sitting there in a conversation in Mexico and I'll, you know, if I was in a conversation in the United States with like teachers or fellow English speakers, I would be slipping in zingers. Like there's yeah. parts of my brain that just start firing and shooting thoughts into my head. Like say this, that'll kill. And then <laughs> if I'm sitting there in, in Mexico trying to just understand <laughs> things, I just come let off. Let me Google translate this quick. Here. I let come me. off as such a a boring yeah. 
person. I'm just there like, see, see, sitting and nodding my head and trying to figure well, out Well, maybe that should on. be a goal. Work on that language well, so next you, time you go down there, you can crush a little bit more. That's how you know you've truly mastered a language. I was talking with a, a friend who's from Colombia, and he was saying that once you're able to, to tell a joke and it, it goes over well in the language... You've made it. That makes sense. Yeah. And I've I've said like I've tried to do that, and a lot of them don't hit. <laughs> and I'm not sure how we got on this topic, but I thought that that's a really important yeah. thing. I think never doesn't get talked about enough, especially with students, because a lot of teachers probably have never been in those situations where they have had to feel extremely uncomfortable and unable to express themselves because they're trying to figure out what's happening and. I wish, I really wish that could be like a pill or a virtual, like it should be a VR experience you can mm-hmm. give a teacher. Like here's some goggles. You're going to sit in a Chinese classroom and good luck because <laughs> no one going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. No, you definitely got to have that empathy and try to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And, and that's what I've tried to do teaching a lot of my EL uh, classes over the years. And, and just if you have that empathy and, and can say, hey, <laughs> Can you imagine being here and it's in a different language? I, I try to get that message across to our native speakers and try to get just a little sliver of empathy to uh, to to get that in the classroom so they can help each other out. But yeah, no, it's um it's interesting. Just like you talk about the hero's journey and keep going on this path, and we want to try to get better and and try to just figure life out and be in a good mental state. But um, things throw it off all the time, and I think that's kind of what I'm. You know, I think one of the hardest things to learn in life is that you're just, you're never going to have it figured out. And, um, you know, I, I've been continuing to dive into that Jordan Peterson book and uh, just so many interesting things keep playing out from it. But, um, you know, just talking about um, being sociable and likable. And he's talking about the development of children and basically says by the age of four, like children have the structure based on, you know, the discipline of the, the parents provided, that a lot of who they're going to be as a social creature is pretty much formed by the age of four. His, and his, uh, his advice is like, you want your kids to be liked by yeah, like other, other kids, adults. Other kids, and, and mostly he said the, the other kids, right, the peers, because if a kid can be well-liked by his peers, then there's a better chance they're going to be successful. If a kid, uh, you know, goes over to a birthday party and no one wants to play with them, it, it's tough. Um, it puts the parent in a tough spot and it puts the kid in a tough spot in the future because when they're going through the school system. And so I'm like, geez, my kids are four and a half. I've already screwed them all up. So I'm, I, there's no turn back now unless I hit the reset button. Um, I got one more here at eight months. So I'll see if I, I can try to do better with her. But, um, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's just so critical um, is to have good friends and to have people you can talk to. And, and, and I think as you go through life, it's it's never going to be easy. Um, it's always going to be significantly hard. I know with my core friend group, we've had Zoom calls and we've had different things that just try to keep the conversation going. And I can just read with some of my friends when things aren't going well. And I try to kind of pry a little bit more because I can um, to get that out of them. And I just think, too often we, we bottle things and he is starting to talk about just how resentful we can get and how angry we can get at either certain people or life in general, or if we believe in God, um, you know, why is this happening? Why, you know, and we can carry that around. And when we carry that around, it makes us not a whole lot of fun to be around. Yeah. But I mean, I was just talking about with this with you yesterday, cause I was kind of expressing a bitter side of myself to you, but, uh, I was expressing it, I think in a humorous way. And there's definitely, I think ways like the humor allows you to deal with those situations. Like if you are feeling bitter about certain situations or, you know, um, the way things are in the world, it's good to have that someone to talk to so that the mood is sometimes lightened. Light totally. You know, I, I, yep. I was watching uh, Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. It's basically his version of like a podcast because he'll, he refuses to probably do a podcast and he does whatever he wants because he's Jerry Seinfeld. And, you know, it, with the best episodes are, are with the people that maybe seem like they do seem sometimes bitter about things because they're stand up comedians are trying to like throw thoughts out for, you know, a possible bit in the future. 
Um, but the way that comedians interact with each other, they are able to like either like totally rip on their bitterness, which, which like just takes the, the seriousness out of it quite a bit. And man, those are, those are conversations that I envy and want to have with people. That's usually what I look for in a friendship is like, am I able to maybe expose a dark thought in a comedic way and not have you <laughs> run and hide or be like, well, are you sure you should be uh, thinking that way, Dan? Yeah. yeah. If you can rip on somebody and it's all in good, good fun and uh, everyone's getting some laughter out of it, um, it, that's really the best, um, you know, and you know where that line is and you know how to not cross it. Um, you know, and it's also a big part of like not being too sensitive and not taking things too seriously um, as well. Cause sometimes we can read more into things that are actually there. And I, I've gone over that conversation many times with, with my uh, students, you know, I know people in my life that have had very strong friendships and one thing has happened, whether it was said or whatever. And those friendships end because of that. They never, you know, you think about kids, Oh, you know, they run into the house and Oh mom, she said this to me or did this to me, you know, when kids are little and, uh, you know, they end up ruining the friendship or maybe it's an hour and then they're back playing together or whatever it is, you know, but that happens as adults. And sometimes we, we are so sensitive. We just, we just end it because we're, we're so stubborn and resentful and cynical and that's no fun to be around. And that's where I think he's talking about with the social, social ability, you know, you got to be able to take life seriously, but not take yourself too seriously. And that is a fine line, you know, and can you kind of know your faults and also play along with those, you know, Kevin Hart in that episode is talking about how he broke his back or whatever, you know, he talks about one vertebrae on his back and I don't know how many there are, but he goes, you know, for me, one vertebrae is pretty much my whole back because <laughs> of how small I am, you know, and that ability to make fun of yourself and make, you know, understand, you know, for me being bald, being tall, being whatever, you know, and, and those things that kids will come at you with, right. And they're trying to kind of jive with you and uh, Josh with you, but you know, understanding what those things are. And uh, you know, if you can have that good sense of humor with people, it's really priceless. Yeah. I mean, he talks about how that experience, cause he, he almost died. He said, the doctor told me he was like this far away from just being completely paralyzed or dead. And you know, he says, because of that experience, he just, he's always smiling. Like it doesn't, he knows what matters and it's not the, it's not the bullshit, the, the daily stuff that, is supposed to, you know, rally up. And I mean, this is something that's probably true for civilization in general because we used to be able, I've heard this talked about, we used to be able to just look like at nighttime before the industrial age, you would look up and I don't know if you've ever been to like up on the North Shore or in an area where there is no light pollution and you look up at night on a, you know, a day when the moon is just a sliver you can see the, the the crack in the Milky Way galaxy. You know, like you can look up at infinity and you realize like, holy crap, I am tiny. And I think we lose sight of that all the time. And even when things are super tough and, you know, you're in the middle of a pandemic, people are dying. You know, there's certain situations that are happening in the world that are just uh, unexplicable and make you sick and disgusted and life is hard. You, you kind of just, you got to realize how like in the big scheme of things, you're flying through the universe at thousands of miles an hour. And you know, we're just a blue dot Yeah. in the, in the scheme of things. Yeah. There's so many things um, that I, that, that always brings me back, but like it just grounds me a little bit. That perspective, you know, it's all perspective. And, and when we get caught up in our little bubbles, um, the smallest of things can fire up our limbic system. And, and, you know, just so you, people know kind of what I'm talking about is that we have basically, if you think about yourself as a circle and like, how do you identify yourself as like right in the middle of the circle, they call that self mapping, right? Like, who do you, I identify mm -hmm. yourself as, you know, for me, probably a dad, um, a husband, uh, three kids, a coach, a teacher, you know, those things are like, you know, so when people are ripping on teachers, when people are ripping on coaches, right. Then that, that kind of hurts my limbic system because those are things are really core to who I am. Um, and what 
social emotional intelligence is, is understanding that like, yeah, I understand you're ripping on it, but I have the perspective and awareness to know that, um, that doesn't affect me. Like your thoughts and feelings, like they're just sticks and stones, you know, it's, it's, and so I think having that perspective, but when we get caught up and those expectations get thrown off, right. Um, we, we can get so incredibly fired up and I think we can all look back on things where we were incredulously mad. We were super, super frustrated and we look back on it now and we're like, why was I like that? How, how did I take things and lose sleep over that? You know, that's pretty, pretty ridiculous. You know, I remember my first years of coaching, I had some extremely, extremely stressful times and it's, it's a lot of it was just not knowing, you know, and not understanding and no perspective and no, you don't know what you don't know. You got to go through some stuff along the way. And, you know, in that episode they're talking about with Joe Rogan is, you know, jobs they didn't like and, and things that weren't fun at the time, but it's part of the process. And, you know, this process that we're in right now, we can all say that probably on the other side. Yeah, that was actually, we learned a lot about ourselves or we had this time, you know, but it's so hard right now. You, you can't, you don't get perspective in the moment. You get it later. You get it after. You don't get it in the moment. Now we're trying, I think we're all trying to look at things that have happened to people in life that's been written down in ancient civilization. And we're trying to learn from that, right? And as educators and parents, we want to try to teach our kids to not make those mistakes because people have left that for us. Hey, don't do this. Do this. History. It's there. But that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that you're just all of a sudden going to do it because you read it in a book. And, and that's why experience is what life is. Yeah. When the red, when the rubber meets the road is when it really hits you. You know, when you hear that, that podcast that brings you back on the path and then that first step on the path, you're just like, Oh God, this is not going to be easy or sometimes yeah. enjoyable. Like I have no idea right now. Like I tell my wife, I tell, I'm like, I I'm stressed. I, I don't know how to solve it. I'm, I'm struggling. Like it, it just is what it is right now. Um, there's no real, I'm not in the greatest groove, but I also know that you just got to kind of keep doing the next thing. And, uh, eventually, you know, things will get better. Yeah. And I know I've heard, I was heard, I heard someone talking about this recently regarding how to, how to kind of figure out what it is that, that will help you. And that's just trying on all those different things. And then you got to figure out what calls to you. You know, you might, try drawing and be like, I hate this. This is not my thing. So don't draw. Then, <laughs> You know, like journaling, you might try that. It's not your thing. Then move on to the next thing. Try something else. But eventually you will find something that, that calls to you and allows you to have those, you know, moments of thought like meditation. That's, I've tried it. I just, I can't, I'm not, but running, I can run and I can watch my thoughts go and escape my mind is what, and that's what's happening in meditation. So I'm going to gravitate towards that. But I think a lot of people make the mistake of hearing all these things that people do. And they think, well, I, ha I have to do exactly that. I have to, you know, journal a page about my life every single day. And maybe, you know, that's not your calling. And that's not what is going to actually allow you um, to do it with enjoyment. And you have to figure out what those things are. And maybe you just haven't found what that is yet. Yeah. And it. You're just, you know, you're just talking about your kid and, and training wheels and the bike before we came on. And, you know, like, you know, you look at other three, four year olds, when did they drop their training wheels and you compare your kid to another kid. And, and, you know, we do this comparison thing. We've talked about it. Um, you know, how's my 401k? What did I do? When did I start investing? You know, people do it with a million different things. And I think just that awareness of it has mm -hmm. really helped me just be like, I know what I'm doing right now. And then it allows me to pull myself back and not do that. You know, I also, uh, I think I've always been that way with some decisions financially that um, I reason out in my mind. It's not, it's definitely like, <laughs> I'm here to say that if a, uh, someone were to audit me or <laughs> my situation, I'd be like, Ooh, what is this guy doing? But um, uh, it's just part of a philosophy too. You got to do what works for you and you have to make some decisions um, about the present and, and the future. And, you know, I, I just say, man, raising little children, it's so, 
it's just so incredibly hard. <laughs> it's just so hard. And it, and it's, it's so busy and they need so much. And so to, to really have this time to do a lot of the things that maybe we'd all like to do, it's just not there. And I think that's something else that I kind of bring back myself to is that I've got to try to be more present. I've got to be there for my kids and give them experiences. I know like yesterday we went fishing and you know, it drives me absolutely nuts when they do things where it ties up the line or it, you know, <laughs> they're thro- dumping out the worms or they're tormenting another sunfish. But, um, I got to just l- figure out how to calm down and understand they're four years old. And I use that on my wife all the time. And she comes back at me when I get incredulous. And, um, so it's just, all you parents out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. And it, it is exhausting. But the, yeah, but that awareness, it really does. I mean, just because we've brought it up in conversation here, like yesterday was the day where our, we got Mateo a new bike. And I have know lots of four-year-olds that are biking around without training wheels. And there's a part of me that's just this, the part of the dad brain and me is like he's got to be off training wheels like right now let's do it today come on let's go out to the park we ain't leaving this place till you're riding without training wheels boy and uh you know we got out to the parking lot where we're gonna do it. i said we're gonna take he said i said do you want to take these off he goes yeah let's do that took them off i'm like had him sit on it for a little bit like like just feel this out how does this how's this feeling he's like oh, let's do this and then we start the process he's like oh yeah oh and there's this moment of hesitation and struggle. And, you know, if I really wasn't aware of that comparison part of my brain, I would have been like, come on, push through, you can do this. But I just eased back and I thought like, you know, who cares if he's got training wheels, he'll get there when he's ready, he'll be ready. And I put those, you know, he's like, what if we put the training wheels back on? He's like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Put him back on, had the skateboard, went right next to him. We biked around for like 45 minutes, had an awesome time. And it was just one moment of, what are you doing? Why don't, you're comparing right now, don't do that. And I don't know if that's just practice that you start telling yourself that, but just be aware of that, that you're you're doing that, people. And when you're a parent, I mean, it's happening all the time, especially when you're in like group settings or, you know, you're at like a sports camp or something or uh, some program at the YMCA, and you're like, that kid can... You can shoot a jump shot. What's up? Come on, dude. Yeah. Let's get we're hitting the gym tomorrow. No, uh, you're exactly right. The awareness and the practicing of it are, are, are key. And I think another thing I took from that Jordan Peterson book was, you know, when he's talking about raising children, he's talking about, um, do you want your child to be protected or do you want your child to be courageous and brave and strong? And, um, I was talking to my brother-in-law because his oldest had just gotten his uh, boat license. And so he was going to go out in the jet ski and he was going to take his younger brother with. And, you know, I was just talking about that book I was reading and, you know, he, he just said it's, it's a never ending quest raising children of, of, um, allowing them to fail, but then also not allowing them to fail too mightily, you know, where something like a bad accident or, or those types of things. Right. And so that's why parenting is in art and not a science and the personality of your children and the personality of you and your dynamics are, are unique to your family and no one can tell you one way to do it. They can give you some advice and you can take some things, but you know, we've all sat around and you know, when we get together with couples, right. And talk about whether it's, you know, moving from the crib to the bed or, you know, when they took their pull up off or whatever, and you're going to sit there and you're going to compare your kid to their kid and how would you do it and whatever, but it doesn't, it's just, it's not the same. It's, it's apples and oranges and, and you've got to figure it out and there's no book on it. And that's why, um, there's no one way I should say. And that's why it's, you know, the whole thing about life is, <laughs> it's interesting what he says, you know, life is suffering mm-hmm. and, uh, man, that's, that's interesting. It's, um, um, you know, some biblical references in there and it, it's pretty interesting that I've enjoyed about it, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a journey there's no doubt. And, and you how you decide to perceive it is I've just found to be very, very helpful. He's one author. Like I was never a real religious cat, as they say, like, I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't really speak to me. You know, I didn't, the whole literal or interpretation of like stories, like, okay, so 
This guy died and came back to life. And what's going on here? And this guy, what? Okay, a whale swallowed. What? Okay, I'm, I'm out. But then, you know, fast forward to... I don't know, like a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm reading Jordan, I'm reading Jordan Peterson's book. I'm listening to some of his talks and he, he has like a philosophical interpretation of things that are written in there. And he treats those texts, not as like, you know, literal stories that for sure happen and we should just follow them blindly. But there are like these nuggets of wisdom that are like, they're, they're, they're like, what do you call them? Like story truths, maybe not factual truths, but they're like, they are abstract truths. Um, and I mean, he, he talks about life is suffering. So you got to pick up, pick up your cross, what, which is a biblical reference. I mean, and you got to carry that sucker, you know, and that's the option. That's like the choice you have in life is you don't, some people don't decide to pick it up. They just live a life of narcissism and joy and pleasure. And they don't ever, you know, develop responsibility and, and bear that cross. And I think I like, I don't, if I was, if I was a religious cat, I don't know if I would, I would have ever have stumbled upon Jordan Peterson and it's, and, and, and those, those different philosophical interpretations of things. And, and he talks about other religions as well. And he knows a lot about Buddhism. Um, and that's kind of the same thing is that, you know, life is suffering <laughs> and you got to figure out, the middle path to make that worth it. Um, make it meaningful. Yeah. And that's what he talks about. Is life going to be meaningful or are you going to hold resentment? And he, you know, he talks about people that choose that, right. And just basically lying and stealing and cheating all, all the 10 commandment type things. And if we live a life like that in a society like that, you know, it crumbles pretty quickly. And, um, so you got to find a way. You got to find your meaning. You got to find a way to make a life meaningful. And um, you know, as we wrap up graduation week here, I think that's that's definitely my hope. And and it's it's never going to end. It's never you're never going to have that. I'm finally here moment. It, it's it's just going to keep going. And um, I think that's also what's great about life, though, is that you're never finished. Um, you just keep trying to figure things out. And um, you know, there's plenty of days where I feel I have zero answers and, uh, those are, those are challenging and humbling, but it also requires, uh, and fills that tank back up that, okay, well, we got to keep, we got to keep getting to work here and we, we got to keep, uh, focusing and, and trying to get better. Yeah. And that moment of joy when you accomplish something has been talked about before. And I know the happiness you experience is extremely brief. Like you win a championship you know, you win a big game, you win this, you win that, you get the promotion or you get the raise. You're just like, yeah, for about, you know, a half a day or a day. And then it's, you know, it's like a birthday. You're like, I'm, it's my birthday. Yay. Done. And then you're like, it's on to the next thing. And you have to realize that you shouldn't maybe be shooting for, you know, like happy. Everything is awesome. (laughs) You know, like the Lego song. Um, but you got to learn to fall in love with the the suffering part in the middle. Yeah. You're trying to get to that. I've had a million, not a million, but I've had a lot of those along the way, which have helped. But I I just remember my, I was lucky enough, my junior year of high school, we we, uh, won a state championship and my best friends were all a year older. My two best friends um, on that team. And then um, since that time, more of them have become really a core group of my friends. And, um, I remember the morning after, right? You win the state championship, you're feeling great. You're, you're on top of the world. And the next morning, like, I just remember being in my room and, uh, I broke down because I was like, there's, there's no practice. There's no, I don't get to be with these guys anymore. And, um, you know, you realize something like that, right? There's no more games. There's, it could, I mean, we won them all. We we were 28 and 0. You couldn't have been any more perfect, but yet there was this feeling of emptiness, and that taught me a pretty powerful lesson back then that it was not about the destination. It was completely about the journey. And in my next uh, season, when I lost those friends to graduation, it was definitely a struggle um, trying to figure out my my path. And so, I think that's that can resonate with a lot of. Uh, people right now as they're moving forward is that the destination is, is we all know that it's not about that. It's, it's going to be about the journey and what a journey it can be. Yeah. And a lot of you guys 
graduates of the class of 2020 are about to embark on that journey. And I thought uh, a good way to end this episode would be to give you some practical advice. Whenever I hear a conversation or, you know, listen to a podcast, I just, I love it when people give specifics. Like I did this exact thing to receive this result. You know, I don't like when people talk in general terms and like, you know, you really got to get out there and, you know, give 110% and really, you know, control the controllables and, you know, really shoot for the star. Like every cliche general motivational thing, I just, that doesn't hit for me. When somebody gives me a specific task that has given them results, I like to, I like to follow that. So I thought we'd talk or, I mean, at least I have a couple things I want to remind or tell people about that would have helped me if I was going off into this journey. Um, so if I had to tell myself a few things, I would definitely tell myself uh, to learn how to, this is a, a good one, to learn how to use a slow cooker as a, as a college student. And this is a, it's pretty deep, right? So like when you were in college, did you eat, did you eat great? I suppose you're on the basketball team. They probably gave you some mm. sick no, meals. I ate okay. I, I didn't. I ate like prison food pretty much. Like I got some, you know, I had like five bucks. I bought eggs, cheese, and bread, made grilled cheese sandwiches and scrambled eggs, you know, most of my time. But as an adult, I know like, oh, I can buy a large chunk of meat, like a pork roast or a beef roast. Mm -hmm. Just put some chicken stock in it with some other fixins, like some, you know, even vegetables or even just the meat. And then you have some tortillas there and you have, once that's done slow cooking, for a day, you have, I mean, if it's just you eating, you could probably take a, what, f like four pound roast and make that last huh, like two weeks probably of food. Mm -hmm. And that's something I just didn't realize as a college student that as I was an adult, I thought like if I had to go back in time, I would definitely invest in a slow cooker. Yeah, absolutely. If you could learn how to cook something, um, even something basic, one or two things in college, that'd be great. And definitely when, uh, if you settle down with someone, that's going to be a skill that, uh, you're definitely going to want to have. It's, I've always yeah. enjoyed cooking. So, right. But slow cooking is like really minimal Total level. Way. It's like you dump everything into a pot and let it sit for an entire day. All right. What else you got here? I've got figure out how to describe your haircut. I don't know if you ever had that issue. Yeah, it's been man. a while. I'd have to think back. You do your own hair, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I when I was a kid, I was looking at my, as I was putting together the Photoshop of the graduation episode, which was pretty enjoyable to make, uh, I realized my hair looked terrible. Number one, because I didn't use any hair product, which is also a good tip for both males and females. You, like, find the right hair product for you. Low shine, high shine. What do you, what do you, what do you feel like? Use it. You can make your hair be in a shape that you would like it to be. I didn't realize that until like after college, which was a big mistake. <laughs> and then also like figure out, I thought it would be important to figure out a place to get your hair cut that's not like fantastic Sam's. I know it's cheap and affordable, but you got to find yourself a barber or a stylist that it knows you and knows how to cut your hair. Because I mean, you go to fantastic Sam's and every time it's somebody different, they're just putting like two different settings on the clippers and they're just done 20 minutes. And I've had enough bad haircuts in my days to cut my own hair too, but which were bad haircuts until I realized how I can describe successfully what I want for a haircut. I like it. Yeah. I think that's, that's an important one. Um, another one I have here is that, uh, you know, you're going to find yourselves in situations where you don't have, you know, a lot of money. And uh, you got to figure out how to get some uh, what liquidity is that the right word some some, some cash, cash flow some cash flow and there's ways to do that if you you know look around your area for options on you know you can sell things on Facebook Marketplace you can you can donate plasma um, you can become parts of studies you can take take on some sort of meet like a, a low risk low effort job. That will give you a little bit of, of cash flow. But I think lack of cash flow is a big, big problem for a lot of college students. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And then this is a good, I, taught, I told this to my economic students, if you're going to buy a laptop, 
best month to do, to do it in is July. Um, this has been a proven economic study in July through August, like 15th. That's when they give you all those deals, and, and the laptop prices are the lowest. Rest of the year, they're pretty sky high. Um, and, I mean, nobody told me that. I mean, and a lot of this stuff probably is just specific to me, but I'm sure some people share this situation. Kind of sounds like uh, there's a great little book called Life's Little Instruction Booklet, and it's just got it's base it's a dad who wrote to his kid oh, really? in college and it's got 500 of these about you know never buy a boat and uh <laughs> why not why don't why didn't he want to buy a boat cuz it's always just a money pit and you know different different practical pieces of advice um i know my dad got me that book and it, it's it's got some really really good things in there that you're kind of going on that same same uh, tangent. Um, this is a dark star thing. Some of you might know who that is from K-Fan who passed away a few years ago. But he always said, oh, the dead. more expensive the clothes, the better I look. <laughs> and uh, I've always found that to be very true. The the, the more expensive the clothes, the better you're going to look. And uh, if you're buying stuff off the clearance rack all the time, not to say that you can't find good deals there, but um, uh, you might not look as good as you could. But I guarantee if I put you in a $100 shirt and a $20 shirt, you're going to look a hell of a lot better than that $100 shirt. <laughs> and you're going to know the difference, too. You I are. Mean, and you, you probably wouldn't need – I mean, I think as, as a kid, I probably had a closet full of, like, clothes that, you know, were from the clearance rack or on sale. When, I, when if you do buy the high-end stuff, you can probably have less of it. Totally. And you just wear those. Better quality. It's going to last longer. and So yeah. get, a, get a haircut, buy some nice clothes. A lot of this stuff, I think, stems from, I know in my case, I probably let my parents do too much for me. I think they bought a lot of my clothes. They scheduled a lot of my haircuts. <laughs> um, and when you go off on your own, you figure out like, oh, those shirts that mom was buying me don't actually fit me. Uh, I've been wearing the wrong jeans my whole life. Yeah. And clean out your closet. Yeah. There's a lot of crap you don't wear. Just get rid of it. There's a Jordan Peterson uh, note for you. Minimalism you could maybe even go to if you wanted well, yeah, I wasn't prepared for that, but I, I definitely could come up with. I didn't know there was a book. Maybe so. maybe a, a top twenty or something like that. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's been a great week. It's always a a great time the end of a school year and and the, you know putting the bookend on it and it's tough to put it all into words, but. Um, I know for us, this class has been extremely special. It's been a great week. It's been a great school year, even though it's um, not how we wanted to end it. But we're going to keep plugging along. And so is the crossover, people. Go find us on Apple. Subscribe, rate, review. And um, we've got some great guests coming up here the next couple weeks. And uh, we're going to have a summer filled with different topics that we're, we're excited to bring to you. Keep getting 1% better, people. Take care.